Hey friends, did you know that you can come hang out with me in real life? That's right. The Work In Podcast and Savage Grace Coaching makes its home in a boutique studio space called The Loft Yoga and Wellness in historic downtown Spring Valley, Ohio. This hidden gem of the Miami Valley is nestled in between Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. As a part of my mission to bring a legacy of resilience through movement, each month you can join me for a hike on the bike trail, followed by a free trauma-informed vinyasa class back at the studio on Main Street. Go to savagegracecoaching.com to see the calendar and join my newsletter, A Yoga Life on Main Street, to stay up to date on all the latest studio news, events, and gossip. And now... On to this week's episode. It's time to stop working out and start working in. You found the Work In Podcast for seriously stressed out professionals and the fit pros who serve them. This podcast is for resilient wellness professionals and their ever curious clients who want to connect the dots for lasting wellness. I'm your host, Erica Thomas, and I help outstanding individuals like you Find natural ways to shake off stress, tension, and trauma to burnout-proof body and business alike. The Work In is brought to you by Savage Grace Coaching, bringing trauma release and yoga together for resilience through movement. Private sessions, small groups, and corporate presentations are now open. Visit savagegracecoaching.com to schedule a call and get all the details. Welcome back, everyone. Diet and exercise. When we think of getting healthy or healthier, this is often what we think of. It's also what stops us from getting those same things. Why? Well, because those things are hard. You might have to give up your favorite things. You might have to stop doing some of the things you love, like sitting around all day watching Netflix and eating marshmallows straight out of the bag. Ugh, my mouth literally just started watering. And you might have to start doing things you don't love so much, like sweating or eating vegetables. And let's face it, if you already loved doing those things, we wouldn't be having this conversation. People do what they love. Usually, we love the things that bring us comfort. If you want something different... To feel different, you might have to do something different. You might have to change. And that is definitely not a comfortable feeling. We know that we reap the benefits and the consequences of everything we do. So that could be work. It could be food. It could be exercise. It could be entertainment. It could be our relationships. And that's what this series is all about. Reclaiming your health and resilience is within your control because everything we do can be a lever. Nutrition is a very, very powerful lever. So today, nutrition is our conversation. It's part three of this series and it's going to be big. Everything you consume becomes a part of you. And that makes what you eat a very intimate relationship. But unlike relationships with other people, you have 
complete control over this one. Now, any doctor can prescribe a drug. You're the one who has to take it. You're the one that has to make sure you take it on time and in the right dose. You control that. Ultimately, it is your responsibility. And nutrition is the same way with even more far-reaching and powerful side effects. How and what we eat is a big part of our identity. Many of our social and cultural events are centered around food in some way. I can't really think of a single holiday in the U.S. that isn't associated with food. Even holidays like Memorial Day or Labor Day have some opportunity for picnics. In fact, that's what we think about doing on our three-day weekend. In my family, every time we get together with a holiday or without a holiday, it's a time to feast. We can't even finish one meal before we're planning the next one. And around the holidays, there's usually a special table or a countertop or space that's designated to all of our traditional cookies, candies, and whatever else that we can imagine. You can't really walk through a room without taking a few bites, or in my case, handfuls. And of course, it needs to be balanced, right? A little bit of sweet, a little bit of salty, maybe some savory, and don't forget the wine on your way past. It isn't unusual for me to gain 10 pounds over a two-week vacation when I'm hanging out with my family. This is all part of our love language. And in my family, we feed each other our favorite comfort foods and sweets, recipes that we don't normally eat on an everyday basis, but that have some kind of special significance or memories that are attached to them. Maybe you're the same, but let's back up a minute. The purpose of this series is not to shame you out of holiday goodies and point out all the places where you're going wrong. It's to empower you with ways that you can step back into the driver's seat with your wellness and see real and lasting health results that build resilience. And I want to strip out the judgment here because just like it's not about how you exercise for one hour a day, your nutrition isn't about what you do one day a month or one week a year. It's about how and what we eat most of the time, our habits. So let's start with an understanding of how what we eat really affects the nervous system. As we've touched on in previous episodes, everything we do, consume, come into contact with has some sort of effect on the nervous system for better or worse. What we eat and drink does this directly through our gut. The digestive process begins immediately with taste and triggers dopamine and other neurotransmitters that kind of tell your gut what to expect. But even before we start to eat, when our stomach is empty, there's a cascade of signals that starts with ghrelin, your hunger hormone, to adrenaline, cortisol, insulin, and leptin, along with others that trigger your nervous system and activate a certain level of stress in order that you will 
go hunt down food. And the longer we put off eating, the higher those stress signals can go. This can show up as irritation or anger or any other dysregulated emotional response. Think hangry. And the symptoms of that hangriness can also kind of bleed over into hypoglycemia, like shaky hands or a little bit of anxiety, maybe even a panic attack. And interestingly, sometimes you can feel all of these things with or without the feeling of actual hunger. Part of our stress response actually shuts down our appetite in order to not distract us from our survival activities. So it can be really very confusing in the body in those moments and even more confusing for our rational mind. So much so that we may not connect those feelings within the body, those feelings of anxiety to the need to eat because we don't feel hungry the way we think we should. In reality, the body may just be crying out for nourishment. So when we eat anything, the taste of the food or the drink tells the brain and the body what to expect. And that starts the digestive process with saliva in the mouth and then into the stomach and eventually the gut. We evolved to expect energy or calories when we eat and to seek out certain types of energy in the form of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Certain tastes correspond with those things and release dopamine in the brain that reinforce the message that, hey, this is a really high energy food, let's go get some more of it. Now, I'm sure you can guess what those tastes are. That sweet, the fat, saltiness, and when those flavors are attached to whole food, there is a natural off switch that is activated through the insulin and leptin pathways that tells the brain when you've had enough and when you can stop eating. When those same flavors are coming from jacked up processed foods like cookies, chips, and soda, it can overwhelm that same leptin and insulin pathway, that same process of collecting and storing energy, and it's overwhelmed in ways that make it so we can't really tell when we're full. It's actually true that you can't eat just one because they've engineered some of those foods to be that way. When that same hyper-sweetened food isn't connected to any calories, as we have with calorie-free foods or diet drinks, it can be even worse because the body is still looking for energy. You haven't satisfied the calorie requirement for energy. And definitely not in conjunction with the level of sweetness that is coming into your mouth. So your system is going to continue to spiral and signal for you to go get more. 
The fact is, there is nothing in nature that is anywhere near as sweet as an Oreo cookie or a Mountain Dew. Even the most perfect North Carolina strawberry in May. Even salty, crunchy things that so many people crave, myself included, are actually a craving for the sugar that comes from those simple carbohydrates. Processed sugar and excessive carbohydrates are the source of so many of our modern health problems from the physical side with insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, and obesity, all the way to our cognitive health and the risk for dementia and Alzheimer's. And then there's the mental health aspect of depression, anxiety, and chronic stress injury, that injury to our overall quality of life and how we sleep, how we work, how we interact with other people, but most importantly, how we feel about ourselves, how we feel in our own skin. Dysregulation of the signals from your gut to your brain can start a cycle of hypervigilance for the nervous system that runs constantly underneath every system of the body. Remember that your nervous system is constantly scanning the horizon for threat, but sometimes that horizon is actually inside of ourself. So when we are not answering the body's needs, we're actually putting ourself, our nervous system, our nervous system state, on high alert. We are looking to fulfill those needs and to survive. It's so simple, it's trite to say, just change what you eat. Just change how you eat. But making those changes is daunting. It's like saying, just change who you are and then you'll feel better. What we choose to eat and how we eat is very, very closely related to our identity, almost like a religion. And so that makes that easier said than done. How we eat is a habit that's ingrained in us almost since birth. It's rooted in how we were raised And a lot of times colored by our family's ideas and mindset about food. It's connected and tangled with confusing misconceptions about healthy food and not helped by those ever-changing recommendations from questionable expert sources. Today, I want to introduce you to an incredible expert This person has a lifetime of experience in making choices and they have a unique perspective that you may not have heard before when it comes to understanding and nourishing your body. That person, that expert, is you. No, really, it's you. Maybe it's time to get to know what you know and start paying attention to what your body is trying to tell you about what's on your plate. I tell people all the time that they already know what's healthy and what's not. I believe you know too. 
I think part of the problem is that people have the idea that healthy food is too expensive. It doesn't taste good. It's not satisfying. It's hard to make. Maybe it takes too long. All those things could also be true of all the crappy food out there. When I stay out of the center aisles of the grocery store, I spend half as much on my groceries. Real food tastes like real food. Part of the problem with changing what we eat is that we have destroyed our palate with flavors that don't exist in nature. And it does take time to correct that palate, especially if it's been overwhelmed by processed sugar. But there's more to a flavor profile than just sugar. Simple spice blends are your friend when it, when it comes to what things taste like, and it can open up worlds of flavor. What does a satisfying meal feel like in your body? Really think about this. For me, it used to feel like pain in my gut. I ate too fast and too much, usually, of the high starch, high sugar, high fat kinds of food, and I wouldn't be full until it was too late and I was already painfully overfull. So slowing down and noticing what you're eating, stopping eating when you aren't tasting the flavors anymore, can really make a big difference. It's okay to not clear your plate. I don't know about you guys, but I was raised to clear my plate and I hated it. But I'm telling you, you can box up your meal for another time. You can save it for later or share it with a friend. You don't have to eat it just because it's there in front of you. You can eat until you are satisfied with the taste and let it be for another time. Now let's talk a little bit about cooking. I know not everyone likes to cook. I get it. We're not all foodies and that's totally fine. But we have become a culture immersed in convenience. You don't have to be a chef to master a grill pan though or throw a salad together. Clean, simple, satisfying meals that don't take a lot of prep time or even cook time are really, really easy. Most of my meals don't take longer than 30 minutes, and if they do, it's usually because I'm feeding a lot of people. Seriously, 30 minutes. You can wait longer than that in the drive-thru at a Biscuitville or Chick-fil-A. So when we're talking about cooking, the time factor is really less important. A couple weeks ago on the podcast, we had my friend Jason Sapp on the podcast, and he was talking about his experience with PTSD and diabetes and getting his health back under control. That episode is the inspiration for this particular series about things that you can do in a practical way to kind of take back control of your health. And one of the things that he shares in that episode is how he and his wife basically cleaned out their pantry. They gutted their pantry and did a full nutrition reset for their family. He basically threw out all the processed junk and went to a whole food diet, cold turkey. 
Now, when you hear that, does it sound extreme? Because sometimes I think that sounds extreme, but I did something similar several years ago when I'd gotten to the point with my gut pain and anxiety and depression and uh, overtraining that I was ready and willing to try absolutely anything. And that's when I did uh, a 40-day food cleanse um, called the Clean Diet from Alejandro uh, Younger and then followed it up several months later with the Whole30 Paleo thing, which really kind of jump-started my metabolism again. When I coach clients on nutrition, I often try to soften the blow when it comes to changing their nutrition and their eating habits. And I try to explain that you don't have to make big changes all at once. Nobody really does. You can do what you want. I mean, we all can. We are grown as adults, right? And when it comes to nutrition, you can do it a little bit at a time. It's going to take longer, obviously, but it can be done. And I always suggest using a food journal, even though I don't like journals myself. But if you keep a food journal, you just do it for a few days, maybe a week, and keep track of what you're doing right now so that you can find those small ways to change and make replacements there. Because it's making those small changes in your nutrition over time, those small changes that will stay with you, that will yield the biggest health results. But sometimes I also think that doing things that way, making changes that way can be harder in some ways because we're really just dragging out the process. We're dragging out Um, the word that pops into my head is the suffering, right? As we're making these changes, all change is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to make you uncomfortable for a little bit of time until you get used to it. It's okay to be a little uncomfortable. You're still going to have to confront those little temptations every single day. And so going slow like that sometimes keeps those temptations around for longer, And I don't know about you all, but I am a master of compensation and justification and excuses, right? So I can find reasons for anything, and I'm sure you can too. So if there's no more chips in the pantry, okay, I'll replace them with pretzels. Is it a better choice? Well, technically, but if it comes out of a package, it's basically the same thing, too many carbohydrates, for me, right? So whether you eat a bag of chips or you eat a bag of pretzels, in the end, it's going to be too much. Ultimately, all of this is up to you. And I think whether you make small changes to your nutrition intake or if you go for the full makeover, it doesn't really matter. As long as you are really, really clear about your intention and really give yourself the time that it's going to take to solidify those changes. This isn't about doing a diet for 20 days. It's about forever. It's about a healthier uh, lifestyle and better uh, food choices forever, not just for now. That intention should really include, but 
maybe not be limited to building up your own internal awareness of how what you eat affects you. And this is really key here because um, you are an individual and the way you eat does not have to be the same way that I eat or that your doctor eats or that your nutritionist eats. You can find what works best for you and create this customized way of, of living. And that's really where our quality of life comes from. It's where the ease in our own body comes from. Understanding that there is a reason why there's like 90 gazillion diets out there. You are the most unique individual and you deserve to be nourished body, mind, and spirit. Imagine what it would feel like if you were able to relieve the pressure from the constant stress signals that come from your gut simply by changing how you eat and offering yourself true nourishment. You can start that nourishment on your plate when you approach how you feed yourself with intention and attention. There is an opportunity to reset that intimate relationship with food, but you have to be ready. You have to be willing and you have to have a reason that goes beyond what the eyes can see because this isn't about changing a dress size. It's about changing the quality of your life for years to come. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Work In. And if you like what you heard and you want to learn more about how you can start to improve your nutrition for lasting health benefits, head over to savagegracecoaching.com forward slash free resources to get your copy of my Happy Belly Breakfast Salad Challenge recipes. They are simple, delicious ways to start your day. And next week, we'll be looking at how to use connection to reclaim your health and resilience. We'll see you then.